Welcome to the Tax Sell Podcast, where tax sell investing is made easy. My name is Casey Denman. I'm a tax sell veteran. I'm the leading tax sell expert. I'm the author of the Tax Sell Playbook, founder of the Tax Sell Academy, and I am your host right here on the Tax Sell Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me on today's podcast. This podcast is provided completely free by and through the Tax Sell Academy. If you're looking to learn more about investing in tax faulted real estate, just head on over to taxcellacademy.com. Again, that's taxcellacademy.com. Today we'll be talking about valuing your tax sell properties. This is obviously an extremely important topic, and it's going to be one of the most important skills that you do learn as a new tax sell investor. So in today's episode, I'm going to walk you through the process as best I can through this audio format. Now, before we start going through the process, I want to go over a few key points. The first one is valuing real estate is a very detailed, comprehensive skill to learn. Although I'm going to do my best, please understand, this is a podcast episode, so it won't be nearly as detailed as what we teach inside the Tax Hall Academy, which truly isn't as detailed as the process actual real estate appraisers will go through. To become certified to appraise real estate can take upwards of 200 classroom hours, 1,500 hours of experience, and a couple hundred appraisals, right? I simply cannot do that. Number two, valuing real estate is an art. It is not a science. There's no perfect formula that will give you the most precise number every single time. At the end of the day, a property is worth the most a buyer will pay for it when that is met with the least a seller will accept for that property. The marketplace determines the true value of real estate, not you, not I. Instead, we're merely using data points to predict a property's selling price. Number three, when I learned real estate valuations, it was down to the penny. That's useless for tax investors. Since it takes so long to get there, it'll be very, very inefficient for us as we're researching properties. Instead, I teach ballpark valuations. Get within 5% or so, and you're doing just fine if you're a tax investor. Remember, we're going to be buying these at steep, steep discounts. Number four, once you understand the process that we go through, you'll be able to get these ballpark figures within minutes or perhaps even faster if you're familiar with that area. There are many areas that I invest where I can look at the subdivision name and have a very, very good idea what the property should be worth before I even start running those numbers. Number five, stop being lazy. Stop looking at the Zillow.com numbers, the realtor numbers, or wherever else you like to get those computer-generated numbers from. They're close sometimes, but other times they cannot be more wrong. What if you buy something and those numbers are off? You're going to pay for it. Don't be lazy. Okay, there are a few different ways to value real estate. One is the income capitalization method, which puts a value on the future income a property will produce for you. It's a great way to value income generating properties like apartment complexes, for example. The second is the replacement cost valuation, which is a great way to value real estate that's just different, such as a church or a football stadium. With that method, you basically take the land value and then you add it to the depreciated building value. Both of those methods, the income capitalization and the replacement cost valuation, are not going to be used too much by tax investors. So let's discuss the most common method that will be used by tax investors, which is a comparable sales approach method. The concept behind the comparable sales approach is that a buyer is not going to pay more for one property than he would for an equally comparable property. In other words, two houses side by side, exactly the same, he or she is going to choose the cheaper property every single time. At its core, you're comparing properties. You're making additions and subtractions as necessary based on the differences 
until you determine a value for that piece of real estate that you're trying to get the subject property. So let's go over the five step process. To begin your valuation, you'll need to know your subject property. That's the property you want to get the value of, the one that's being offered at the tax sale. This is where your research phase comes in handy. It's not just knowing what it is, it's knowing everything about it. So as a tax sale investor, your research phase is much more comprehensive than what a lot of typical appraisers would even look for. So a typical appraisal might include an all-encompassing if everything is the way it should be type statement. In other words, if the title is clear, if access is legal, if everything is normal, then this is the value of the property. As a tax sale investor, it's up to us to determine if it's normal or not. So understand that the process an appraiser uses for research and a process that a tax sale investor uses for research are two different things. You do what the appraiser does, but you also do more. Even so, I'll usually start my research with a quick run through of the process that we'll be discussing today when we talk about valuing real estate. The more detailed you are in the analysis of that subject property, the more accurate your valuation will be. Of course, as I previously mentioned, we can't be ultra detailed. Otherwise, we'll be valuing real estate and not investing in real estate. So I generally like to start with a breakdown of the basics. What is a property? Is it vacant? Is there a building of some sort on it? This will provide us with the minimal information that we need to start sourcing our comparable properties or comps. From there, we can get more and more detailed until we have a strong handle on exactly what we're looking at. It could be a vacant lot in this subdivision, on this street, with this nearby, this shape, this size, or it might be a house in this area of the city. It's a three bedroom, two bathroom, and it's 1,500 square feet or whatever it is. It's time to get detailed on that property. You really need to know and understand the physical characteristics of that property. Now, after you have a handle on that subject property, it is time to begin looking for those comps. Now, in the perfect world, you'll have a subject property in the middle of two of the exact same properties that have recently sold in the manner you want to sell it. Of course, that is extremely, extremely rare. What you're looking for are physical and transactional similarities when you compare your subject property to those comparable properties. You want to have at least two, but hopefully more comparable properties that have recently sold. The more you have, of course, the better. Now, as we'll discuss momentarily, we're going to start making adjustments to your comps. But for right now, focus on finding something as close as possible in similarities to your subject property. So a quarter acre lot is not going to be considered a comparable to that two acre parcel right next door. Likewise, a quarter acre lot is not going to be very comparable to a quarter acre lot that is, say, 20 or 30 miles away. A site-built home is not comparable to a mobile home. Likewise, a property that sold last week is not a comparable transaction to a property that sold three years ago. The same can be said for a property that was sold with cash compared to one that sold with $100 down at 15% interest owner financing type situation, okay? Two different transactions right there. So obviously, no two pieces of real estate and no two transactions are exactly alike. But if you work to find the closest comparables possible, it'll make the next step much, much easier. The next step is to analyze and compare your comps 
with the subject property and then start adjusting a little bit. And it's important that you need to be very, very objective here. Be smart and be conservative. This is not the time to get shiny object syndrome and start inflating the numbers to make yourself feel good about investing in something. This is a time to be smart. Much of your investment will depend on this valuation. So when you compare this subject to the comparable properties, what exactly do you see? What are the differences? Is one bigger? Is one smaller? What's the specific location? Are there any valuable features included with the one but not the others? An actual appraisal will have a chart on that appraisal will include things like the site size, the building size, views, quality of construction, age, condition, room counts, functionality, HVA systems, uh, garages, carports, patios, decks, and all sorts of other pertinent information that will impact the value of that real estate. So what you're looking for as you compare your subject property to your comparable properties are the reasons that your property is worth more or less than the comparable properties. And a quick note is to always assume that the subject property that you're looking at, if it's a tax sale property, of course, is in poor physical condition compared to everything else on the market, okay? Now, the next step is to begin making calculations, making those adjustments based on everything that we've discussed. If you did a good job selecting your comparables and provided, of course, that there are good comparables available in that area, this can be a pretty easy step. If you did a poor job selecting comparables or you just couldn't find anything at all that's comparable, this is gonna be a more difficult process. But what you're doing here in this step is you're making a decision about how one aspect of the property will increase or decrease its value. And this, of course, is a skill that takes time and experience and it varies with every single market and every single property. It's not possible to just have a blanket statement that a bedroom is worth this much, a view is worth this much, a bathroom is worth this much, and so on and so forth. Now, from a very basic level, let me give you an example. Let's say we have a subject property. It's a vacant lot, and we have four comparable properties just like it, essentially, right? We have two of those comparables that sold for $5,000. The other two comparables, which are exactly the same except they were quarter lots, sold for $6,000. So using that data, we can then determine that a corner lot would sell for a $1,000 premium compared to an interior lot. So that's what you're doing in a nutshell. Now, obviously that's a very, very simplistic example, but that's kind of what you're doing. So now what you do is you would adjust the sales prices of your comps. And basically there's a acronym, CBSCIA. If the comparable is a better property, has a better feature, whatever it is, you're gonna subtract from the comparable's value. If the comparable is inferior, you're going to add. CBSCIA, and this is something that we actually teach inside the academy. All you're doing is you're taking the sales price of that comparable property, and if it's bigger than your subject, you're gonna subtract from there. If it's not as big, or if it's inferior in some other way, you're going to add to that number. You're trying to adjust it to make it as close as possible to your subject property. Then the last step is take all these comparables after your sales numbers have been adjusted for the differences and determine a final value for your subject property. Now, some people will simply average these together, but a better way is to weight each individual property. So for example, let's say we have three comparables. We've already adjusted for size, condition, all that kind of stuff. One of those properties is right next door, right? The other two are 11 streets away. The one right next door would presumably be more comparable to your subject property than the others, which are 11 streets away. So what we could do is apply, say, a 40% weight to the property right next door and a 30% weight 
to the other two properties. So you take the adjusted value of the house next door and multiply it by 40%. Then you take the adjusted value of the two properties 11 streets away and multiply those by 30%. Add them all up and boom, you have the value of your subject property utilizing the comparable sales approach. So there it is, valuing real estate, utilizing the comparable sales approach. You'll simply analyze your subject property, find out what you have, and then go out, look for comparable sales, analyze and compare those sales to your subject property, make adjustments as necessary, and then determine that final value. Now, once you've done this a few times and you understand the framework behind valuing real estate, it becomes extremely easy and be done very, very efficiently, at least for the purposes of a tax sale investor. And I'm sure there's some stuff in this episode that might seem a little bit complicated for you at first, but once you work through the process, it gets very, very easy. And again, this is something that's kind of difficult to explain in an audio format, and we actually have different examples and stuff that we go over inside the tax sale account. We actually can show you, we can write it out, it makes it a lot easier to understand. But hopefully this episode has helped you out. If so, please take just a second to leave a positive review on whatever podcasting platform you're listening to us on, as it really helps us to determine where we distribute this free training information. And if you'd like to learn more about investing in tax for real estate, including valuing real estate, just head on over to taxcellacademy.com. While you're there, grab my free book, Tax Sell Playbook. We touch on valuing real estate in there. And then, of course, if you want the most detailed step-by-step instruction for valuing real estate and investing in tax for real estate, go to that same website, taxcellacademy.com, and become a member of the Academy. Take care and make it a successful day. See ya.